Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Hey there, welcome to another edition of Cover Your Assets KC. Walter Storholt here with David Dickens, President, Wealth Advisor at KC Financial Advisors, based in Kansas City, office in Overland Park. Find us online at coveryourassetskc.com. And we promised a mailbag edition of the program was on the way this week. And we're, we're going to kind of uh, cheat just a little bit here, David. It's sort of, uh, I think you said it before we started recording, like a conglomerate edition of, uh, <laughs> of a mailbag version of our podcast today. I'm looking forward to this. As am I. I think as long as, as long as you don't let me get too deep into the weeds, I think this could be a pretty good one. Well, the reason that we're circling around this particular area is because you've just gotten lots of mailbag questions, if you will, from listeners and clients that are all kind of dancing around the same subject. So you had the bright idea to say, you know what, let's just kind of combine all these questions and just, just make it into an episode. And they're all having to do with the stock market, right? They are. There's a whole lot of questioning going on right now. So what are these top questions that you're fielding over and over? And uh, let's start diving in. Well, so they all kind of circle around. Uh, So the market has been, if you've been awake over the last nine months, you know that the market is down about a little over 20%. So it's a bear market. It's been down as much as 25%. Uh, When I say the the market, I mean the S&P 500. Dow is down a little bit less than that. The, The NASDAQ is down more than that. And... The question is, is this going to be like 2008 where we go down 56% and we're only halfway there? Or have we pretty much seen the extent of it and we're good? And so that's obviously a multi-trillion dollar question, not just a million dollar question. And so what I'm going to try to do is give some, some understanding and some measurement that you can do at home to help you feel better or worse about where we're going over the coming months. Well, I think it's a great question because we do indeed get a lot of people asking this. And I myself even ask this, David, because I'll often look at um, you know, a, a news story online or something will pop up on social media that'll say, you know, so-and-so says, oh my gosh, we're about to have a major market crash, or so-and-so says the market crash is only halfway through. And so we are kind of get, um, getting bombarded with these messages on a daily basis. We are. And the important thing, a couple of important things for our listeners today. Nothing I say today is going to be investment advice for you. The second thing is all these talking heads, they're all looking at the same data and nobody knows for sure where we're going. I have a, I have a very strong hypothesis as to where we're going. And so does everybody else who is a, who is a student of this, of markets and this business. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm going to speak fairly plainly about where I think we're going today, but I don't know for sure. And neither does anybody else that you see on TV. In fact, most of them, well, I'll leave it right there. Okay. All right. All right. Leave it right there. So do you want to explore the additional questions you're getting from people first or start diving into how you answer that first part of the question about, about where we're heading? Well, let's dive into it. The main topic that we're going to talk about is, today is the PE ratio, the price earnings ratio. and. Okay how you can use that to look at individual stocks and the market overall. And we're going to use the P.E. ratio to try to answer that question. Is the market overvalued or undervalued? Investment math, just a little bit of investment math here, is that the value of any stock or any bond is merely the present value 
of all future cash flows. Now, if you're not a math person, don't don't go to some other podcast. This is I'm gonna I'm not that's about the extent of the math I'm gonna talk about. But it's really a present value calculation. So with bond, it's simple. You know that you're gonna get interest every six months, and you hope you're pretty darn sure you're gonna get your principal back at maturity. And next week's podcast is gonna be all about bonds. So I'm not gonna cover that any more than that today. But but the but the value of a, of a bond is pretty darn simple to do. The value of a stock is really difficult because the future cash flows have to do with the earnings of that particular corporation. And I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, mention three particular corporations here in just a minute, just to get specific. But some companies, it's way easier to predict what their future revenues are gonna be and their future earnings are gonna be. Procter and Gamble, been around for a century. Ford Motor Company, a little trickier because they're getting into EVs, but they've been around forever. What about Zoom Video? What about Teladoc? Some of these companies that are new and they had a big run up during COVID and now they've had a massive run down. What are those cash flows going to look like over the next 30 or 40 years and present value those back to today? It is a crapshoot, which is why their prices, their stock prices have been all over the map over the last, let's say, couple of years. So how does a price earnings ratio fit into that? Well, maybe I should define what a price earning ratio is before we before we look at a few of them. So in short, it's just a way to measure the a current stock price relative to the earnings per share of the company that we're looking at. So for instance, if you have a company that over the last 12 months has earned $5 a share, and you can find that on Yahoo Finance or a lot of different places that are totally publicly available information. But let's say that a stock is earned $5 a share over the last 12 months, the trailing 12 months. And you know by looking at a at you know your app today that the stock is trading at 50 bucks a share. I use round numbers to make this simple. So its price earnings ratio is 10. It's trading at 10 times the last year's earnings. $5 a share times 10 is 50 bucks a share. And look at that, it's trading at 50 bucks a share. But if earnings per share goes to $7 a share next year and the PE doesn't change, then all of a sudden the stock is gonna be worth not $50 a share, but $70 a share. So that's pretty simple math. We don't know what earnings are going to be next year, but if they grow from $5 a share to $7 a share, the stock is going to be worth 50 this year and $70 a share next year. But what happens, Walter, if the market gets really excited about the future growth of this company and they're saying, well, sure, it was $5 a share last year and it's $7 a share this year, but earnings are going to the moon because this is an awesome company. Well, then the market can start building in future growth prospects. And let's just say that they decide, well, I could pay $10, 10 times earnings for this particular stock, but this stock is growing at 40 or 50 times. So maybe I'll pay 20 times earnings for this particular stock. Hmm. And just that shift of sentiment causes the stock to now be in air quote air quotes worth $140 a share versus the $70 a share 
And, and the only thing that changed is the market's expectation of what might happen in the future. That works in the positive, and it also works in the negative when we talk about a couple of stocks here in just a minute. So, Walter, is that what did that raise any particular questions in, in your mind? So the the higher that PE number, like if you ever look at a stock and you're like you were detailing that five or that ten PE ratio, the higher you see that going, the more the more that that imbalance is happening, right? The more the more that price is exceeding the earnings. Exactly, and so okay. some might say the higher the PE, the more speculative the stock. Okay, because it's more speculative as to what the earnings are going to grow into. But the investment community says, wow, this could be huge. So I'm going to pay more today for what I think is going to be a pretty awesome earnings story in the future. That's why you have certain stocks that have very high PEs and some that are super modest. But this must be where you start getting questions about things that are overvalued, like how high is too high on that scale of I, – I just looked up Tesla just for the fun of it, and it, and it, <laughs> it currently has like 86 as its P.E. ratio at this exact moment that we're recording. So that's like a far cry from the 5 and 10 level that you were talking about. Exactly. So I have picked out, I've picked out three different stocks, um, Ford Motor Company, NVIDIA, Zoom – and then we're going to talk about the S&P 500 and how you could look at this as it relates to the market. So as you might guess, Ford has a pretty low price earnings ratio because people say, well, I know what they've always done since the early 1900s. And I think I have a pretty good idea of how many cars they're going to sell next year. And their margins, how much they make on each car are pretty steady. But this whole EV thing could be really something special. So right now their PE is about 4.3, 4.3 times their earnings. Pretty modest. When the, when the stock market currently S&P 500 is trading about 17 times earnings. So this is a pretty modest price earnings ratio because it's a, it's a relatively slow growing, boring company that people feel like they know everything about. Pays a nice little dividend of over three and a half percent. But I will say year to date, Ford is down 40%. S&P is down 24%. So it's down a lot because it had a nice big run up months ago because of the expectation of what they were going to do in the EV, uh, 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 electric vehicle sector. But anyway, the takeaway here is Ford trades at a really low PE because people feel like they know a lot about Ford. Then there's a company called NVIDIA, and it makes computer chips, graphic processing chips. And it had been a massive high flyer uh, since, the bo- since the bottom of the COVID um, crisis. Year to date, it's down 55%. Now, it trades at a PE of 43 times earnings. And so what the market is telling us here is there's an expectation that earnings are going to grow significantly faster than Ford. And there's an expectation that they're going to keep coming up with new and unusual products that are going to grow earnings probably more quickly than we can ever foresee. And so that's why it trades at a significantly higher multiple, higher PE than a 
old boring company like Ford or or uh, Procter and Gamble or something like that. It also pays a dividend, but <laughs> it's less. It's about one tenth of one percent. So Ford, if you're an owner of Ford, you get quarterly dividends income. With NVIDIA, you're betting on the future of the growth in the company. So that's two names that I'll bet our listeners have all heard of. Everybody's also probably heard of Zoom Video. Walter, you probably use Zoom Video. Use it quite a lot, yeah. Um, we, we, you, you and I use an alternative to record our podcast, but if this alternative didn't exist, we'd probably default to Zoom as well. <laughs> yeah, and so probably everybody listening to this has been on a Zoom call, whether by on pleasure or work, yep. over the last couple of years. Became a really hot stock during COVID because you couldn't get out of your house. So the current P.E. ratio is actually a fairly modest 24 times earnings. But the three-year median P.E. ratio was 145 times. What you might, just a quick little math in your head, you might say, wow, then this stock is down a lot. And you'd be correct. Um, from a year ago, this stock is down 70%. So right now it's trading at about 75 bucks a share. In November of 2021, so less than a year ago, it was trading at $285 a share. 285 bucks down to 75. It hasn't been one of your better investments if you bought it sometime in 2021. So currently the PE is about 24. I looked up um, back a year and two months ago, it was 130 times earnings. So back then, investors were willing to pay a lot more for each dollar of earnings that Zoom has than they're willing to pay for today. And that's just because they believe that the future growth, the future cash flows from a company like Zoom are gonna be way less than what they thought they were gonna be a year or two ago during the time when Zoom was growing like crazy. So that's kind of how you might look at individual stocks using a PE ratio. Are they overvalued or undervalued? Well, it depends on uh, what actually happens in the future regarding the earnings of those companies. So another way that you can use this and a way that I use PEs probably more often is, is the market overvalued or undervalued? So Walter, you don't have to look very hard to find talking heads that say, well, the S&P is going to go down another 10 or 12 or 15%. Or, you know, I think we've hit bottom here and we're probably going to start going up from here because the Fed's done and, you know, they can give you four or five different reasons. Well, what about, how would a PE ratio help us look at that? So the, if you, if you take the S and P 500, those 500 companies and what they earn on a per share basis, and you looked at that group of 500 companies as if it were a stock, the PE of the S and P 500 is about 17 times earnings and earnings per share of those 500 companies is about $223. So if you take $223 times 17, that gets you to just under 3,800. Coincidentally, the S&P 500 is trading just under 3,800. So that all makes some sense. The question is, what if earnings projections, nobody is saying you're not going to find many people, any people on talking, on talking head TV, CNBC that are going to say that 
that the S&P 500 earnings are going to go up from here over the next year. Most of them are saying, I think they'll be flat or maybe down. So what if I hear there are a number of ways to get to $200 a share instead of $228 a share. But if the S&P 500 next year earns 200 bucks a share instead of 223 and the PE ratio doesn't change, then that implies an S&P 500, not of 3,800 like we have right now, but of 3,400, 17 times 200 bucks a share, 3,400 bucks. If earnings are higher and the PE doesn't change, sentiment doesn't change, then it could be higher than 3,400. If earnings are lower, like for instance, we actually have a, a serious recession, well, 3,400 is going to look optimistic. One other thing that can happen with this is if investor sentiment changes. So I mentioned that the current PE of the S&P 500 is 17 times earnings. But historically, the average is about 16 times earnings. Well, let's say that investor sentiment sours from here, and it sours beyond uh, what is normal for the S&P 500. So if earnings, or if the um, if the sentiment goes down to a PE of say 15 times earnings, and the S&P 500 earns 200 bucks a share, then all of a sudden we're down to an S&P of 3,000 instead of the 3,800 that we're at right now. And a pretty simple math calculation says, well, that's another 25% down from here which would take us to a total down of almost 50%, which would be very similar to 2008 and 2001. So there are a lot of questions that have to be answered. And the only way they get answered is by the unrolling of time. We're going to know a lot more about S&P earnings and how comfortable people feel with a 17 times PE. We'll know more about that next month than we do today and more about it by year end than we do at the end of the election cycle here and a lot more about it in June of 2023 than we know today. If you believe that inflation is going to be tamed pretty quickly and the Fed is just about done raising interest rates, then you might be inclined to think that the market is fairly valued or cheap here. And 3,800 looks like a tremendous buying opportunity. Alternatively, if you think that the Fed is going to be really strong in their fight against inflation, which they say they're going to be, and if you believe that a, a big recession in Europe and a modest recession here in the United States is going to cause S&P 500 company earnings to go down, then you might be inclined to think that 3,800 on the S&P right now is pretty expensive. That happens to be the camp where I'm in. And it won't surprise me at all if the S&P hits 3,400. And frankly, it won't surprise me if we dive down below that and maybe explore right around 3,000 on the S&P. So, you know, my base case Obviously, I can be just as wrong as anybody else and probably will be. But my base case is that we are not fairly valued here. We're overvalued. 
And based on PE as one of my indicators that help me figure out where we are, I think there's a pretty high probability that we explore lower prices uh, before we set new highs in the market. All of this uh, still needs to be taken into context, right, of where somebody is in their savings and investing life. Can you give us uh, – that's just a great breakdown of everything, David. Can you give us maybe just a peek at, like, how that advice – not saying to give specific advice here on the radio, but how that advice then would change – uh, over the course of, you know, the different lifespans that you work with. So somebody that's young and has a long time horizon versus somebody who's just about ready to prepare for retirement versus your clients who are already retired and kind of just, you know, wondering, are, are, thing, are things just going to stay the same for me in my retirement plan? Like, do I need to be worrying about this or do I need kind of keep going on the, you know, the, the, the vacation that I've got coming up next week and not have to worry about this stuff? So Walter, that is the exact perfect way for each individual listener to think about this. And so I have, I have clients in a lot of different situations in life, but most of them are not good with a 30% drawdown in their money. I have a lot of uh, young people that I talk to about their 401ks. And so, so my view on that is, if you're in your 20s or 30s, work on your career, don't worry about the, mo- the market. Because by the time you're 50, and you should start to care about the market, it is very highly likely to be significantly higher than it is today. So don't get all caught up in what the market's doing and trying to trying to avoid risk. That's my that's my that's how I usually talk to 20, 30, and 40 somethings. However, if you're close to retirement, or if you're in retirement and you have what I would consider to be a normal risk tolerance, let's say you've got a million bucks and all of a sudden the market's down 30%. And frankly, we're not getting much help from interest rates. So a a nice balanced portfolio could end up being down 30 or 35%. If your million bucks is all of a sudden worth 650,000 or 700,000, that's the time when people make really silly long-term decisions because they're afraid short-term. So if you don't have enough cash in your portfolio to carry you through what could be another year or two of this, then you need to have a really strong stomach because I think you're going to get pretty nervous sometime over the next year. So how much you have in cash and short-term bonds should be determined, as you said in this, in this lead up to this question, where you are in, in your life. Risk tolerance aside, if you're in retirement, I would suggest you have a significant pile of cash that you can continue to pay yourself these retirement paychecks out of your out of your retirement accounts uh, and not get too worried about what your stock component is going to do because three or four or five years from now, it is very likely to be back to where it started earlier this year or higher. Very good breakdown, David. Appreciate all of that. Not only where are you in your life, but with the rest of your portfolio, put it all in context. And the best way to do it is to contact David and the team at KC Financial Advisors directly. If you have any questions about your plan, about something we've talked about on today's show, I know we've all been asking the kinds of questions that David addressed today. So if you want to explore a little bit further, have a conversation, you can do that online at coveryourassetskc.com coveryourassetskc.com or give David a call at 
317-417-1414. That's 913-317-1414. Please don't hesitate to reach out. If you've got any questions for David, he's happy to talk to you about what's on your mind. Maybe set you up for a complete planning review, if that's appropriate for you, where you can come in, have that conversation in depth about your plan, and get some great guidance for your financial future. David, thanks for covering all of this and a really fun episode today. feel like I definitely learned some good nuggets on uh, today's episode. Appreciate it. Well, good. Thanks. Uh, I hope so. Hopefully it wasn't <laughs> too, too deep into the weeds. Next week, we're going to cover some information on bonds. And before you just decide, ah, I don't need to know anything about bonds. Actually, you, you have bonds hidden all over your, your retirement portfolio. So... Uh, hopefully we'll put we'll cobble something uh, together for next week that'll be interesting for for a broad spectrum of listeners Uh, but we're going to talk about bonds next week all about bonds come back and join us for that here on the cover your assets kc podcast for david i'm walter thanks for taking the time to tune in and we look forward to chatting with you again on the next episode Investment advisory services offered through ChangePath LLC, a registered investment advisor. ChangePath LLC and KC Financial Advisors are separate companies.